important things in life do not happen uh, from one evening to another day. They are a, a very long process that has ups and downs. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to Anyone Anywhere podcast. So today I have the great pleasure to have in the podcast priest Oscar Irvan Salvidar. Let me do a quick intro about priest Oscar. So priest Oscar uh, comes from Paraguay, is priest in the community of the Schoenstatt Fathers in Tuparenda. Priest Oscar also loves to read, reflect, and write, and that is, and that is why <laughs> he started blog La Vida Es Camino, or in English, Life is the Way. How are you, Priest, o Priest Oscar? I'm doing quite well, thank you. I, I see you have read uh, the blog as well, so I'm quite happy. Yes, <laughs> I'm of doing, course. I'm doing well. Um, well, greetings here from, from Paraguay in South America. So... Quite happy to, to finally be able to be with you and to have a nice conversation. Yes, yes, it, it's true because I, I'm waiting from, for this interview since July, if I'm not mistaken, July or June. So it's something <laughs> that I really, really wanted. But yeah, life is like that. Indeed, so, yes. Uh, first of all, let if you can do a quick uh, intro about yourself also for the people that don't know you, for the ones that are listening or viewing this podcast, please. Great. Well, as you said, my name is Oscar Ivan Saldivar. Clearly, it's a Spanish-sounding name because from the country which I come from, Paraguay, it was a Spanish colony uh, when the Europeans first arrived to South America. I was born on, the, on October the 12th, 1981, so that means I am 39 years old. Um, most of my life I have spent it here in Paraguay, but in 1998 I was able to go to an intercultural exchange program in the United Kingdom, so that's where I learned English. Um, I've been there for one year, um, and after that, actually after that experience, I was, yes, 17 or 18 years old, I wanted to become an ambassador for my country because I realized not many people knew about Paraguay. <laughs> When they listened about Paraguay, I would say, well, this is a small country between Argentina and Brazil, and so people will get some idea of where it is. And it was a nice experience. And uh, well, I returned to my home country and I wanted to, as I say, to be in the diplomatic service of my country. So I started to study law. That was in the year 2000. But three years after I started to study law, um, I got to know the Schoenstatt movement, which is um, an apostolic movement within the Catholic Church. And then I decided to, to become a priest. So that was in the year 2003. Um, and I went through a process of formation, mainly here in Paraguay, also in Chile. 
and I had the opportunity to go to Germany as well, from which uh, our congregation and movement is originated. And actually, I was there in the beginning of this whole pandemic situation this year. And I returned to Paraguay, yes, around July. And I have to do the quarantine time after the flight. Um, yes, may, uh, and after that, I could make again my normal life here with my community, the pastoral work. I also have a family from which I come, mom, dad, and I have a small sister. Uh, she's 36. Um, they live in Asuncion, uh, the place in which I live that uh, you mentioned, Tupa Renda, which is from a native language word, the Guarani word that means um, the home of God, or so to say in this translation, it's about 30 or 35 kilometers away from Asuncion, which is the capital city of Paraguay. My family lives there and I usually go to see them maybe once a month. Well, with all this pandemic situation, it's less because we have to be careful regarding the traveling even within their own country. Um, yes, I've been priest for seven years now. Uh, I usually work with youngsters and also with um, young couples and actually with many, many kinds of people because that's something really nice about being a priest, a Roman Catholic priest, that you have contact with many people and pe people do open their hearts to you because they do believe that you can maybe help in some way and, and helping them to be in touch with, with God and with Jesus. So it's really a nice, nice way of life. So usually I, I'm mostly in the shrine here in Tuparenda, it's a Marian shrine. Um, yes, working with the sacraments, with people, meeting people. Well, I had a lot of online activity now because of this pandemic situation. So usually I do have meetings with a group of young people or group with married couples and we do it through Zoom or Meet. So that was quite interesting also to, to learn these new ways of, of reaching one another. Love it, love it. Love your history. And I love also the adaptation that you could do to the digital. It was quite quick. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I mean, uh, when I was, yes, when I was a young boy, I did enjoy a lot of uh, computer gaming. So it was not that difficult to go from, <laughs> to go also as a, uh, to discover the digital area as a, also as a tool for evangelization, for working and to keep in touch with people. Yes, certainly. Let's go so a little bit back. How it was that transition between 2000 and 2003? <laughs> yes. And um, well, I did mention the bit of my experience in, in England because it was and it is important for me. I mean, uh, it was a nice year in which I got to know. Well, I, I do love history as a personal interest so when i went to to england to a little yes a little town called ellesmere port 
It was in the north of England, quite near Liverpool. And they offered me what to study, they said. And I started with IT, which is informatic and technology, because that was what I was studying here in Paraguay. But being that I realized what I really did like was history. So I changed <laughs> the subjects, um, abandoned IT, and I went to, I remember it was English history of the 15th century, which is the beginning of the Tudor period. And also we got to see some of the reformation of Henry VIII. And for me, it was really interesting and I was really passionate about history. And after the whole experience of being there, getting to know, somehow, yes, it is clearly um, another culture, another country. Uh, actually, as I said, in Paraguay, we speak Spanish and also this native language, Guarani. So English was new for me and the whole country was new, but somehow you can, or at least I do feel that way, or I do believe that the bond between Latin America and Europe is not, um, it is close. I mean, we all have our, our own peculiarities, but certainly there is somehow uh, a common history that we share. So it's not difficult to, once you get there, to understand somehow the codes um, of the culture. So after coming from there, I said, well, I want to finish high school. I would like to, to enter the diplomatic service of my country. So I said, well, I will study law. And after that, I will go to the foreign office. That was my thinking. But uh, actually in the year 2000, which was for me the last year of my high school, I remember one of my high school teachers, a very, uh, a very nice lady said to us in the classroom, we are going to do a pilgrimage to a holy place. And we were youngsters and we said, yes, let's go, just go out from school. We weren't really that interested in this pilgrimage thing. It was just a day out from school. So, And we went to this uh, pilgrimage for my teacher and for us it was a day out. But I do remember when I first arrived to this place, actually, where now I live, to Parenda, I saw a priest that was uh, sitting and hearing confessions. And I said, well, maybe it's going to be good if I go and do this confession. It will be good for me. I have a few things I would like to talk about and to ask for forgiveness. I mean, as a young man, I was a believer, but I did not practice that much my faith. But I did have somehow this um, seed of faith within me. And, and I always say that uh, I am very grateful for that to my uh, great, no, my, my yes, my great grand grandmother, uh, which she's the one who taught me how to uh, pray and she was the first one to take me one day to to mass and she made the religious introduction for me so well uh, i went to this queue to do my confession i i did how to i did know how to do it you are supposed to think about what you repent you go and say that to the priest the priest gives you the absolution that is called the forgiveness and then he will give you a penance to do so I was ready for that. 
But to my surprise, when I, I got to the priest, he said to me, what's your name? Yeah, I say, well, my name is Oscar, Father. Uh, um, how are you doing? Well, how is your life doing? And I was quite surprised because this priest, yes, started a conversation in the sacrament, which is not very common, to be honest. <laughs> and it was the first time for me that a priest didn't say simply, well, tell your sins and I give you the penance. He asked me, how, how are you doing? And that was a very nice conversation. I, I remember it was a very long confession because, um, yes, we, we talk a lot. And I remember thinking, well, I should pray a whole rosary because my confession was so long that I should pray something very, very long. <laughs> but this priest said to me, once you get to your house, to your home, make happy to someone. That will be your penance. And I was quite surprised because this priest didn't ask me to, to pray something, but he did ask me to do something good for others. That was the first time I heard something like that. Um, so I was very touched by this um, confession. And that was October the 18th, 2000. I remember the date quite clearly because also an important date here in, in Tuparenda. And about a month later, I remember I was returning from my high school, coming back to, to my house. And on the street, I see this priest, which I did confess to. And I thought, I don't think he will be remembering me. So I will just walk by him. I, I will not say anything because it's going to be very embarrassing if I say hello and he says to me, who are you? <laughs> and... But to my big, big surprise, he looked at me and said, how are you doing, Oscar? How is your life going? And that was very touching for me. And I remember that after that encounter, I started to go to mass again every Sunday and going to the, the shrine in Asuncion, a little chapel that is also there from the Schoenstatt movement. And well, things started to awake again in my interior. And that's the beginning of the transition from wanting to be um, an ambassador from my country to, to wanting to be a priest, really. <laughs> Actually, I did study uh, law for three years. Uh, but in the third year, I was very, yes, I, it was very clear to me that that I wasn't that passionate about law as I was passionate about Schoenstatt, uh, the church, and the life of faith, really. So that's how I finally said to my fathers, I want to be a priest. I'm, I'm going to <laughs> leave university. They were very worried, to be honest. And they said, why don't you finish first? But really, I didn't have the, <laughs> the head to finish in that time. But um, as I look back, I am also surprised how, how firm I was in this decision. And I interpret it as a, also as a grace from God uh, to be this firm being that young, really, because 22, 23 years old, you are quite young to, to take a decision like this, I think. <laughs> Completely. 
a life decision it's it's uh, and it's a completely change like from from being an ambassador or wanting to be ambassador <laughs> to being a priest it's a completely uh, 360 <laughs> yes even though some people said to me well um, you are not an ambassador for your country you're an ambassador for christ now so somehow they they find uh, some point of of Union, but yes, certainly it is. Um, I mean, what I what I do realize now, uh, or what I've been realizing as as time goes by, is uh, yes. When I said yes, I I want to be a, a priest, and I think that Christ is calling me, and I certainly you do it also with some fear because you are not sure about what the future will for you um, you are not sure if you are going to be able to to be to the expectations not only of people but of your own expectations I mean um, but you know it is a path in which you yes you grow and you get to mature in a way and I think that that's important to be to be able to yes to do a process You know, important things in life do not happen uh, from one evening to another day. They are a, a very long process that has ups and downs. But the important thing is that you keep walking. That's why I put this title in the blog, you know, La Vida es Camino, meaning our life, it is a path. I mean, you, you need to to take a step by step every day and to do the process in order to, 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 to grow, to mature. <laughs> And it's, it's completely, I completely agree with you. I believe in like the importance, it's not the goal, but the journey, the process of learning mm -hmm. until you get, if you get until the goal. Uh, but like how it was for me or how do you can describe Uh, uh, first, what is faith <laughs> for you and mm -hmm. how important it was in that moment of fear of change? Mm. No, I mean, the, the, the question is, is very good because uh, really I think it's a very, uh, a very important question, a very important question for today. What is faith? Because sometimes um, in Europe or even here in South America, uh, yes, some people tend to believe that faith is some sort of magic. <laughs> All the belief is only dogma and morals and that everything is written and you don't have to think by yourself because other people is thinking for you and you only have to follow. But really... Um, Faith is really a, another thing, and, and, and the description I give to faith is that it is an extraordinary way of interpretation of ordinary things of your life. Because, especially from that experience of my encounter with this priest who remembered my name and said to me, hello, Oscar, how are you doing? How is your life? Years later, I did interpret, interpret that situation as the moment in which 
Christ was saying hello to me and calling me by my own name, as we read in the gospel. Sometimes people ask me, did Jesus talk to you personally? Like he did appear to you in some sort of extraordinary way. And the truth is no. But I see Christ in that priest that said to me, hello, Oscar, how are you doing? And I say, yes, he's calling me by my name. So that's why I like to describe faith as this capacity to, of interpretation, extraordinary interpretations of the ordinary things of our life. Because Christian people live the same things as people from other religions or from no faith. We have the same life, we have the same joys and sadness, but what is the plus for a Christian, I think, is that faith in Jesus Christ allows him to make a meaningful interpretation of life. And when you have a meaningful interpretation for your life, then you can face any challenge. But when you don't find meaning for your life, that's where suffering starts really. So faith today, I think, is a very important way to help us to find meaning to our life. Certainly, I do believe that faith can enter in dialogue with science, with politics, with psychology, and I think it is important. And each one of these human knowledges has his own role to play in a personal life and in the social life as a whole, really. And yes, for me, it was very important because I was searching for maybe the meaning of my own life. I mean, I realized, as I said once, I was not a bad boy when I was a young man. Actually, I was a very good student. I had the best qualifications. But I, I, I did felt somehow like empty within. I mean, something was missing, which I was, I was not aware of what was it really, until I found this uh, way of living Christianity. And I said, yes, this is the thing I was missing. So I would say, Certainly, in those years, faith was not only a way to find meaning and purpose to my own life, but also was the strength to, to face to the challenge of taking a decision. Yes, because making real decisions, it is a challenge. I love, I love it. I love that. First, I love the, I love the definition of faith that you have <laughs> that I never listened because <laughs> it's, I think that the common people and I'm including in that category, we have the, the idea of faith of something magic, something <laughs> like we have Fatima in Portugal, like, oh, well. so, uh, but exactly it's seeing i think it's that is the best description that i, I listen about faith and you you talk about in a subject that i wanted to go further but i think it i will take as a segue the meaning of life how do you think it's important to have a meaning in life um, well as i said before being a priest allows me to to listen to many people uh, um, I, I really do. I really do learn when I have so many conversations and dialogue with so many people. And from my own experience, I can see that 
people struggle today, yes, to, to find a meaning to what they do in every day. Um, and that's why, because we as a human beings, um, we are people, we are beings that we move ourselves by, by meaning. I mean, language is meaning, culture is meaning, and meaning means a purpose in life. And um, once you somehow find, sometimes you can, I mean, I think it's very, very difficult to say I have found my purpose in life, mm. but you can say maybe I am in a path to finding the purpose of my life. Um, then you realize that everything that has happened in your life, sadness and joy they come to a, a certain point in which you say, you are able to say yes i accept that i take that as a part of my own life and i can in a good way use that for my own fulfillment and the fulfillment of others but if you don't find meaning to suffering or even to joys um joys will be very, uh, how do you say this in English? <laughs> Pasajero, uh, like something that just goes by without meaning. And suffering without meaning doesn't go by, it stays within you, but it makes you grow bitter and harder. But if you find meaning, purpose to your life, then joy becomes a very profound experience that you carry with you in your heart and suffering becomes wisdom. So yes, I think I do, well, obviously I am, I am a, a man of faith <laughs> and I, I do have, I'm very clear about that, uh, but I do believe and think, that's, I also do that distinction, I do believe and think that every human being is moved by purpose. Uh, no one is moved by, um, in that sense, I'm, I'm not saying anything new really because uh, the Greek philosophers tell us that what moves us is the search for happiness. <laughs> I mean, uh, we all are moved by this yearning of something that somehow we know what it is, but at the same time, we don't know, but it is within and it moves us. Um, that's why when, when someone finds meaning, you, you can see that that person is uh, making a fulfillment and, and making, taking his life to the maximum level that he can take it. And also, which is, I think is part of one's fulfillment is helping others to also achieve that fulfillment in the life. So yes, having a meaning, a purpose in life, I think is, is paramount and it's very important because otherwise you can have everything, but if you don't have meaning, you will be never be satisfied. That's the truth. I totally agree. I totally agree with you, Father Oscar. And what, what you think the, that is the best way to find that meaning, that purpose in life? 
Well, <clears throat> um, in that sense, I think that uh, from a religious point of view, uh, Pope Francis is helping us a lot because he's telling not only the Catholic Church, but actually to the whole of society and to the whole world that wants to hear that the meaning and purpose of each life, you can find it in the service to others. We live in a society with many good things. I have to say that. Uh, we actually live in a, in a time of period of a lot of technology and many advancements that certainly you couldn't see that in previous eras. But even though there are many good things about um, the present way of our life, at least in what we can call the Western world, and when I say Western, I say Europe, uh, North America, and also South America, because as I said, we do have influence from, from Europe, uh, well, certainly Australia and so on. Um, we are somehow a very, yes, we look to ourselves too much. We are too egocentric and we believe we believe that we will find fulfillment, we will find meaning if we do only look ourselves and try to, to answer to all our needs and desires. But the truth is that ego is a very um, cruel partner because it never gets satisfied. <laughs> Once you reach to one point, you want more. And the only thing really that satisfies, I think, the human heart is when you encounter another heart. <laughs> I mean, when you say to yourself, well, certainly I have to take care of myself, but also actually taking care of myself, it also means to take care of the ones around me. And I think in that sense that Pope Francis signals the right direction, service and taking care of others. That's what gives purpose and meaning to our life and not only trying to fulfill all these uh, desires and ego and uh, how do he says, uh, and this consumerism in which we also live, which is very, very difficult to be honest. I do like, uh, and well, actually we, we got in touch through Instagram. I do like Instagram, I do use it quite a lot. But sometimes I realize that many of our own profiles is pictures about me, 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 me. And I say, how egoistic are we that we, we want to show ourselves and we want to, to receive the thumbs up or the likes from people. And you say, you cannot live a life like that really. Um, so it's important that in our profiles also, hopefully we can share pictures of other people. I mean, life of other people, not only your own life. Sometimes I do reflect about that and I realize, yes, we are as a society too much egoistic. And as I say, we will never find this fulfillment there. I remember reading, um, the name of the rose of 
Umberto Eco, and, and he has uh, a very good phrase in that book. Uh, he says, uh, well, well, one of the characters says that uh, lust is never, uh, it has never fecundity because it's only uh, trying to please oneself. And I would say that also in, in a spiritual life, in social life, there are many kinds of lust, not only the, the body lust, but there's also a spiritual lust in which we try to simply uh, take pleasure for ourselves and we will be never satisfied. What satisfies the heart is when we realize that we can actually love and be loved also. Love it, love it. I think it's it's a great advice. It's because it's so true. We are in a society that it's a little bit of egocentric, like you said it. And sometimes the best way to to find the meaning it's serving others and giving to others. I think it's yeah. Instead of being in me, 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 being you, 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 you. Oh. And that, that, that's the point because certainly we all need to be taken care of. I'm not denying that. I mean, uh, but just if we try to sometimes imagine a world in which, or maybe not a world, let's just try to imagine our family or our friends, <laughs> if we get to say, well, let's try to to take care of each other. I mean... You take care, I don't know, of your mother. Your mother also takes care of you, your sister, your father, your friend, your cousin. Uh, uh, yes, a relationship in which really the other is in the center. Yesterday I was, I was speaking with a group of, of youngsters here. And in this conversation came about the subject of, or the topic of community. What means to be a community? And especially in these pandemic times, what does it mean to be a community? And in this conversation came out the idea that being a community is to be present for the other. Uh, it was quite interesting because one of the boys said, yes, with all this technology, we get in touch with many people, but that's not always means that we are present there. Because you can be in touch with someone and at the same time doing other things. But to be present, I mean, to be there really for that person. And, and the second part is to be for the other. I mean, not try to, to use the other in your own good, but to ask yourself, well, what can I uh, do for him or with him sometimes? You know? and, and, and that doing things together sometimes help you actually you are trying to help but the one who is helped are you really i totally agree with you because yeah the, the feeling when you can give or when you can help somebody you stay with the feeling of fulfillment so i totally i totally agree with you yes certainly you 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 receive this feeling of fulfillment um but that that's also and, and I think that's obviously from a religious point of view, that's the importance of, of praying and what we call discernment. 
um, because, as I said, also in religious life, you can find somehow of, yes, consumerism. I consume experiences to feel myself good. <laughs> and as I say, certainly it is important to, to feel good, but you cannot live your life just uh, trying to feel good, but you have to also make this discernment, okay, I'm feeling good, but I am doing good to others. I am really doing good to others or, I'm, uh, or, or I am doing this only to feel this fulfillment. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, uh, if, and, and that's the challenging thing about Pope Francis, I think, is that he asks ourselves really to put the other in the center and to ask not about if I do this, will I receive fulfillment? But if I do this, will my brother or my sister receive something good? Um, it's a very subtle mm. difference, but it is important because uh, otherwise we end up again uh, searching for ourselves and not looking to the other. You know? And sometimes looking to the other yes, allows you to help, maybe, in some material way or spiritual way. But if you are really looking to the other and you allow yourself to be looked at by the other, you will find yourself that you too have um, needs that, that they need to be uh, answered to. So that's, that's why when one enters in a relationship, or I mean when the experience of reaching to others and helping to others transforms itself in a relationship, both part of this relationship receive something. It's never that not only I give to you because I am very good and I'm very prepared and, and you only receive, but from the moment in which I try to give something, I will also receive something. And in that sense, uh, I think it's important to to take these experiences, the actual experiences, encounters with people, to pray in and to see well, what is God doing here? What is happening here? To to take conscience of what we are living and what we are doing, and to try with the light of faith to say, what's the next step I have to take? I think it's it's complete. You are completely correct at my my point of view, and it's exactly when you start a relation, you will always take something from the other. If it's a lesson, if it's a life lesson idea, it's a change of, if I can say, energy, a kind of change of energy. Certainly, yes, certainly. And let's go a little bit. You started about praying. What is for you praying? How you can describe praying for a person that, <laughs> let's say, is not a Christian? Whoa, whoa! That's that's a very, uh, very tricky question. How to how to explain about praying? Um, I do like a description that is not mine, but is from. Uh, the previous Pope, Pope Benedict, a very, really, I think a very impressive theologian, someone that has 
put uh, thought to our faith. And he says that, first of all, more than saying things or doing things, prayer is in the first place to put yourself in the presence of God. So I would say in the first place, praying or prayer is to allow ourselves to be in the presence of God. Which is, again, it is a challenge today because I think, and it's only an opinion, <laughs> um, it's not easy for us men and women of today to be present, as I said, to be totally, some other traditions or school of thoughts would say to be mindful of what you are doing. <laughs> because we have so many things in our head. We have so many things to do, so many people to talk to, so many Instagram profiles to see that we are not present anymore. So today it is a challenge for, I would say, even for religious people to practice authentic prayer, which means I will set aside time and space to be in the presence of God, which I believe is a loving God, and it is my Father, and He is interested in me. So I would say, first of all, yes, praying is allowing ourselves to be in the presence of the loving God in which we believe. And once you are in this presence, the second thing I would say is praying is open your heart. And I, I, I do insist in that very much when I get to talk with people about this. We have to open our hearts in prayer. We have to be able to talk with Jesus about everything. And especially about our own failures, limitations, fears, um, sins. We, we have to because it is very easy to do praying when, when you have to talk about your own success. I did this, um, it went very well with this project. And it is important also to share that. But I believe that it happens the same with friends or with couples, only when you are able to share the sides of your life that you are ashamed of, that means that you are uh, really trusting the other person. And the same happens with God. Only when you are able to really open your heart and to share with Him, with Jesus, or with the Blessed Mother, or with Saint Joseph, or the saint which allows you to enter in contact with God, then you are trusting God, because we people tend to, as I say, I will use again the Instagram uh, <laughs> example. As I say, we always put the best picture in Instagram and Facebook. We don't show, and I even though sometimes, because yes, I do use these things when you see uh, football players or actors and actresses uh, 
they wake up like in the morning and they all very puff and say, no, it's impossible to wake up like that with this nice stuff, cup of coffee taken in your bed. Don't lie to me. I wake up awful and I will never post a picture of myself in that state. But God should be allowed to see that picture of you. God should, God should see when you are just starting your day and when you are you're having your your sadness or when you find yourself broken um, and that's the way to to begin the path of praying and again praying is also a way a path a process uh, which needs to be done each day and, and, and as, as, as you mentioned Fatima um, may I say that actually uh, when you pray the rosary with calmness it does help you a lot people sometimes say to me but father I don't lie because you have to repeat 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 yes I know it's a repetitive praying but that's actually a method of praying because the repetitive thing allows you at least First, to calm down yourself. When you repeat Hail Mary after Hail Mary, you receive somehow of, yes, calmness in a way. And secondly, you start to enter in what the words are telling you. And the words are telling you that God has reached out to humanity to become one of us. So actually, the Hail Mary is a very Christocentric prayer because actually it speaks about the moment in which for us Christian the word of God became flesh became a human being one of us which we are going to celebrate in a few days now exactly. <laughs> um, but yes uh, as you said I will say these two things praying is putting yourself in the presence of the loving God the God of your life and secondly, praying is opening your heart with sincerity to that God and allowing him to walk within your soul, within your heart, and especially allowing him to, to see your brokenness because only the one who loves your brokenness loves you, the, the true self of you. <laughs> Love it, love it, love it, Father Oscar. It's and it's so right. And uh, let's let's make j just a, a conclusion. It, it's what I seen, and you are saying about the society. We are in a society that we don't accept so well, and it's something that we have to improve the imperfections hmm. that we have. We drive to show our best every day. Yes. How do you think that we can do that? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Easy questions. <laughs> yes, if I, if I have, you have the answer to that, I, I, I don't know. I will be maybe working in the Vatican, I guess. <laughs> we will see. We will see. Not, not yet. Uh, um, yes, but I, I mean, uh, I do agree. Yes, we, we, we live in a society in which we strive for this. Um, I would say. Yes, physical perfection, and I would add uh, political perfection, in another way is political correctness. <laughs> um, 
and it's, it's not, I, I, again, I, for my pastoral experience, it's not easy to live in a society like that, especially for young people, because they are constantly receiving the message that if you don't have this type of body, this type of face, this type of color skin, or this type of clothing, uh, you are not uh, worthy. Uh, and that's a very tricky message that we are, in a way, um, propagating. So I, I would say the first thing, um, I think we, we have to be very, um, very clear about this. Beauty in life, it is important. But beauty is more than the mere appearance of things. Right? Because um, beauty has to do not only with the physical aspect of a person, but beauty has to be with the whole of the person. I mean, the beauty of life. Why, why in the Catholic Church we have what we call saints? People that we venerate because we think that somehow they are very close to God and in their own life they have shown us the beauty of Christian life. And as I said, it doesn't have to, be, doesn't have to do with um, the physical aspect, but has to do with the whole of the... Yes, the harmony of your life. We always strive to, to have an harmonious life. I mean, to mature is to bring to harmony all the different aspects of our own personality. Feelings, thought, sexual life, um, health, body, mind, spirit, personal life, family life. Um, work in life, we all need to make this a harmonious, um, yes, a harmonious unity. And that's, that's beauty, I would say. I mean, beauty, it is important. But precisely because beauty is important, it is important to accept um, the limits that one has, uh, to accept the brokenness that one has because that brokenness is part of your beauty. It's part of your, um, your unique life because nobody else has experienced joy or sadness as you did. And that's what makes your life truly unique and authentic. And so I would say, yes, we do have to strive for, for beauty in the understanding that beauty is the harmony of the whole of our life and the life of the people we live with. But in order to have that harmony, it is vital to accept one's limits and brokenness. And, and to accept that not in a resigned way, but to say, no, this is part of my very unique and rich history. And is part of what gives meaning to my life. I love I, it. I would, I would say that, yes, certainly. Uh, but I, I, I do say it's, it's not it's not easy. <laughs>
I mean, it's easy to say, but sometimes it's more difficult to, to live. But we, we have to, to try and we have to, um, yes, to cheer each other and to accompany in, in this path. Some advice that you have for us to start to accept these imperfections, these, these scars that make us unique. Yes. Well, I would share uh, I'm, uh, more than an advice. It's just a, yes, a personal experience. Um, you know, maybe this is <laughs> too obvious, but sometimes things too obvious are not that obvious today. <laughs> um, our parents and our families or the group of persons in which we feel family are important because this is the the funny thing about us human people human beings <laughs> um, we accept ourselves once we have experienced other accept ourselves so again acceptance is is a gift that's the truth acceptance is a gift and when you feel yes my mother accepts me really for whom i am my father does my sister my brother my boyfriend my girlfriend my grandma and that gives you and allows you to say yes i am really worthy of love and i can be at peace with myself and being at peace with oneself doesn't mean that you stop striving to grow but it means that you uh, take out of you the best because you have confidence in yourself and at least that's what we emphasize in Schoenstatt the experience of human love allows you to be open to divine love I mean if I want to speak about God as being a father, I want to give to others the experience of a father. <laughs> um, because otherwise, we will have the discourse here and the experience will mm. not touch each other. Um, certainly, I'm not saying and I want to be clear about this, when I say to give the experience of Father, I'm not saying that only priests can do that. No, everyone in the religious community, priests, lay people, men, women, can give to others the experience of a loving Father. Because as the letter of St. John says, those who have known God, they, they love. And if you don't love, it means you didn't know God because God is love. <laughs> Uh, and again, love means to have a genuine interest for the well-being of the other. And so that's why it is important uh, to have this experience in, yes, 
as I said, in our family circle, be this our biological family or a spiritual family or the family of uh, authentic friendship, when you feel loved by others, accepted by others, that allows you to say a yes to yourself. Say, yes, I, I do accept myself. And when you accept yourself, you receive a peace that allows you to really love the other because what is usually what happens with us when we don't accept ourselves we are constantly looking for others approbation and we try to do good things for others but in the end what we want to receive is the applause and they say yes you did well you so that's why sometimes our good deeds are never uh, complete totally because in the end we are looking for ourselves so we have to be uh, very humble and very yes very sincere say, yes I, I want to feel love I want to feel accepted by by those around me and when you have again that experience then you 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 accept yourself and in that sense acceptance is a gift we receive from others and a gift that we can give to others i think it's, you are you are so right and the acceptance it's it's part of the way that you can start to understand the other also i will say in that way when you start to to accept the other like it is you start to understand the person be behind you know the, the exactly i mean and you look that's uh, that's another way of saying the same is you know in there is this lovely praying uh, the salve regina and one of the lines of this salve regina that is directed to the virgin mary says look to us with merciful eyes um, what all what are those merciful eyes what that's merciful uh, look to say so and i say it has at least two uh, components the first one is to look to others um, with realism what i what i mean about this sometimes especially happens to us with people that we love a lot we don't look at them with realism, but we look at them with idealism. We idealize people. We put people some some sort in a <laughs> in a very high and, place, um, and that's very unfair because uh, what we are doing actually is to put all our expectations in one person, and at one point that person will not fulfill our expectations. <laughs> So we have to look at people with realism. I mean, yes, these people that I love that much has many good things and also has his own defects. Uh, as, as all people do, and all, all people are entitled to. And the other component, I would say, is comprehension. Um, I, I can say, yes, I can say that I, I, I don't know or i don't remember meeting me 
a really bad person. I mean, what I have met is people that have suffered a lot and that's why they have acted in a wrong way. Uh, so you have to try to be comprehensive to understand why this person has acted in this way because no one wants evil just for evil. Sometimes we act in that way because yes, we have been hurt or we have suffered something. Um, we respond with this um, sometimes with very cruel ways. But that's why I say we have to look at people with, um, with realism and also with uh, understanding or, or in a comprehensive way. And then that allows you to see that people, yes, act in a way because there is a history behind, but for that same reason, that means that you can change the way you act. I mean, you have certain freedom to change, even though our personal history does leave scars and marks within us, we always, if we are conscious about this, we always have the opportunity to act in another way. And if you are a person of faith, you can say, well, if I feel the forgiveness of God, if I receive his uh, strength through prayer and sacraments, certainly I can act in another way. In a better way, I hope. <laughs> And I love it. And and sometimes I think you are so right. When you start to accept the other and to understand the other, you you can sometimes reflect yourself after uh, in the other because we have sometimes the same fears, the same doubts. Certainly, I mean, uh, it will be very um, yes, it would be very hypocritical, is that correct in English? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, I, if I wouldn't try to look to others with acceptance, with mercy, with comprehension, because that's what I am asking God to do with me. <laughs> I mean, every day we ask for God to look at us with love, with comprehension, with understanding. Please uh, allow me to grow. Give me one more opportunity. So that's why we also need to <laughs> uh, look uh, at people in that same way because we have and we are loved, then we can love. And in the gospel, Jesus says, taking from the Old Testament, he says, well, treat others the way you would like to be treated by them. I mean, if you, if you want to be respected, if you want to be loved, if you want to be understood well, do that to others. Love, respect, understand. Um, in that sense, yes, we, we certainly we can. Uh, I, I think that's the other thing I, I'm starting to realize or, or hoping to. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm relatively young still and I have much uh, way to do. <laughs> but as, as you grow, 
and you you get to know better your own failures <laughs> um, and also your own capacities uh, you are more understanding with people because you realize uh, sometimes uh, we fight the same fight every day and sometimes we win them and sometimes we lose them uh, and therefore uh, people are entitled to sometimes lose their own fights and sometimes win and if one can be a help to that i think it is a good thing i mean a help in the in winning those battles or a help in a company then when they feel they have lost a battle but i mean as i said again we we go back to this thing of the process which you don't see in instagram <laughs> And exactly, and the, and the process, it's not like in one day from another. No, you know. no, it takes, sometimes it takes years. I mean, uh, you know, Jesus was a very good uh, observer of nature. If you read or listen to his parables, he always speaks about nature. And nature does teach us that life has uh, very long processes. I mean, how long does it take a tree to grow? from a seed to a very big tree. It takes years, 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 and sometimes maybe you can see the tree that your father or grandfather has planted there, and maybe your children will see. Um, it is a whole, a whole process. It, 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 it takes time. And again, we, we, we live in this society in which everything is uh, instantly. But life, the human life is not instantly. It, it needs processes in order to, to, to grow in an authentic way. When you hurry things, uh, you have to be careful because um, when you hurry things at a personal level, uh, sooner or later that will give you some headache. <laughs> because uh, it is a reality. We need to mature. That's the thing. We, we cannot do things. And that's the other thing that we, we live in this. As I said, it is a positive world. I, I want to be clear about that. Mm -hmm. But it has a few things that we, we have to be careful about and not, and not be uh, naive about them. But we live in a society in which... Uh, we want to be eternally young. <laughs> and your body doesn't, is not built for that. I mean, uh, and life has its faces. Uh, and, and we ask of young people to be immediately successful. I mean, uh, football players are younger, um, actors are younger. Um, so um, we, put, we put a lot of pressure on them, but young people need actually space to grow, to develop, to mature. Uh, and when they feel ready, they will be giving the fruit of this process. But if there is no process, you cannot uh, give any fruit. Uh, that's the truth. <clears throat> I totally agree with you because I see 
I, I love I love the idea about the technology to give the possibility of I will give the example of being doing this interview now. Hmm. It's a great possibility. But in the other part, in the other side of the coin, we have this fast food society hmm. where we want the pleasure now, the results for today. Yes. How do you balance this? Whew. Um, I think I think um, that the balance comes with the moments of uh, I would say I put it this way healthy solitude because that's the other thing about uh, social media and social nets uh, that we have grown to believe that we have to show everything we do. <laughs> uh, the coffee I have in the morning, the food I have in the midday, that I went to this gym, that I pray this prayer, that I did this thing. And we are like broadcasting our life almost 24-7. I have or oh, I am learning, I must say, <laughs> that it's healthy not to bro broadcast everything. <laughs> and actually that you need to have these moments and spaces of solitude and intimacy. Because in those moments of healthy solitude, that is when you have time to to say so this, to sit down and make a recollection of what you have lived. I mean, uh, and that's, again, the other idea that has got into our head, that we have to be busy 24 hours 7. We don't know how to rest anymore. And I say, and I say of myself, sometimes I am lying on my bed and I say, Shouldn't I be doing this or making this? No, stop. Rest. Your body and your soul need this moment of doing nothing. <laughs> because that's the moment in which you have time to take conscious of what you have lived through the day, through the week, or through the month. And those are the moments in which you think of it, you pray, and those are the moments in which you take decisions. And if you don't have these moments of healthy solitude, you are not going to be able to uh, take conscience of what you are living, and you will not be able to make decisions important to your life, because that needs space and time. So I would say, Yes, to balance that, I would say, yes, use social media in the best way you can, but make sure to be, uh, to have this interior freedom, which means that, uh, yes, I use this, but I'm also able to say, I will have uh, a day off of this. I don't need to uh, broadcast everything. Today I will 
just be here with my family or I will go and run and men make some exercise or I will read a good book or I will have a nice moment of prayer with Jesus. Um, yes, I would say that those moments are, are important, those moments of healthy solitude. And I love that two words, it's healthy solitude because we see solitude, I think maybe, and maybe I'm wrong, as something not good. You, you, being mm. alone, it's not good. You are, and sometimes it's not good. I'm not saying that, you, but learning how to be with yourself, I think it's something mm. that we have to develop. Don't you agree? Yes, certainly. I mean, I would say first in Spanish, and then I will try to translate it. Or you can help me because in Spanish there are two different words for, or you can say uh, two different things. One, the positive thing I would say, soledad, which solitude, but I put in English healthy solitude. But the known positive I would say is aislamiento, to, to close in oneself with no connection whatsoever with other people. That's not healthy. That's not positive. That's why I make a distinction. There is, and, and maybe in English I would say healthy solitude versus unhealthy loneliness. Because even in your solitude, you are not alone. Because you are with yourself, you are with the people you love and live in your heart, and again, if you are a person of faith, you are also with God. But unhealthy loneliness, this feeling that nobody cares about me, that I have no connection whatsoever, that's not good. And, and we have to be very careful with that. Um, so again, in this, and, and maybe, well, yes, I did read about it in, in England and Europe in general, that, but also it's true here in South America, that this pandemic situation has left many people with this feeling of loneliness because they cannot go out, they cannot see family, they cannot go to work, especially uh, older people, hmm, which sometimes are not very able with this uh, technology and so on. So we have to be careful with that. I mean, we need this healthy solitude in which I say, well, I have to leave my work, I have to leave internet, um, I need some rest, I need to think about my life, I need to pray, I need to read. But that's, that's different from this unhealthy loneliness in which somehow I feel I have no link or bond whatsoever with other persons. You know? and, and, and we have to be careful with that. Um, because Yes, I don't know, and um, really because I, I I haven't been to Portugal. I mean, I've been, but was very brief. Uh, I got to know Fatima, and I got to know Lisbon, and I love Pastéis uh, de Belém. I, uh, I, I I need those again. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, I love the the trams in in Lisbon. These little trains. Electric, yes, yes, the yellow ones. I, I like trains as, since I was a child. Uh, I, I don't know how things are in Portugal. I, I do believe, I suppose, is somehow similar to Spain, Italy, in which 
family life is still very much uh, a reality. Mm. I think Germany, England is another situation that I think for what I have saw or experienced. But uh, yes, it is important to to take care of personal relationships. Mm. Um, again, personal relationships are a gift, but also are a work that we have to do to build every day. And, uh, you, with friends, with family, it means giving your time. Um, it means uh, making little gestures to say to the other, I am with you, I am thinking of you. Uh, I do remember or sometimes having the time to, to talk to because yes loneliness can be a very a very tough situation to to, to face really and yes I would say that I would make that distinction in English healthy solitude versus unhealthy loneliness because the unhealthy loneliness is what drives us to search for compensations, problems with, uh, with drugs, problems with, um, uh, with alcohol, problems with, uh, with sexual life usually arise because people do feel lonely and they try to find joy in those things. And at the end, we don't find joy, but we have we find sadness and even moan loneliness. <laughs> that that's the the tragedy of this all. You are searching for for pleasure, but you end up encountering emptiness. I will totally agree with you. You are we are trying to search for something outside when we don't have the time to look at first inside of ourselves sometimes spending the time and you were talking about the pandemic and this unhealthy uh, loneliness what uh, are some of the lessons that you took that you are taking because it's not and that you are taking from this situation well i would say at least three <laughs> because i've been thinking about it uh, I will maybe start with the the easiest one. Uh, for me, this pandemic situation has shown me in a very uh, concrete way that uh, you can use uh, internet and social media to to reach uh, to other people with uh, the gospel. I mean, and actually that we can have these kind of experiences, interviews, meetings. And I mean, we are even broadcasting mass every day uh, through social media. So, and, and I always make this little, again, this little uh, precision, if I would say, people are uh, virtually connected, but above all, the idea is that that virtual connection allows you to be in a spiritual communion. I mean, you connect yourself with the internet, with technology, and that should help you to have this spiritual unity. 
with the community to which you belong and to which you are praying with. So I would say the, the first, because as I said, uh, I, I, I saw Facebook, Instagram as a means to maybe just spend some time and have some fun, which is also for that. But thanks to the pandemic, they, they become also uh, a tool for work and, and evangelization in, in my case, which is a very nice uh, discovery for me. Um, and the second, the second thing I would say that I am learning is that you need to to know what to do with your time. <laughs> I mean, this pandemic for, for some of us, I suppose, maybe not for everyone, but for some has left us with a lot of time in our own hands because things we had to do, uh, we are not allowed to do anymore. So we have more time and that's the challenge to organize your time and your own freedom, your own decision. Because again, if you don't have uh, your time organized, uh, you can just waste <laughs> a whole day doing absolutely anything. <laughs> um, and the third uh, experience I would say has to do with, uh, with learning to live uh, yes, to learning to live the, your intimate life uh, with God in praying. Because especially at the very beginning of the whole situation in March of this year, uh, you couldn't really go out from your own house. And that meant, well, what do I do not only with my time, but what do I do in my own, uh, yes, in my own intimate uh, place of living. And it was a very good experience to, yes, to, to open in a way to God the door to, to also enter in that very private space because you spend much time there. So, yes, those are the, at least three very, uh, maybe very concrete um, learnings that I am receiving. Certainly there are many more, but yes, maybe to point out those three. Um, one thing that I am wondering still is, uh, how is it going to be the return to some sort of normality really especially for older people that that's that's the one that i that i worry most to be honest because at least now here in paraguay even though we still are in this pandemic situation and the government is taking measures uh, not to 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 avoid the spreading of this virus but somehow young people have started to, um, yes, to go out again with all, with the mask and washing their hands and taking uh, distance. But all the people, they cannot go 
out. I mean, I received messages from all the people saying to me, Father, I cannot go to church. Uh, what can I do? And then you realize uh, that's going to be a challenge. What we do as persons, as families, and as societies with, with our elders? And I, that, that's an important question. I mean, again, the, Pope Francis usually says that uh, we cannot uh, simply allow all people to be set aside from social life and family life because they are the memory of a society. Uh, and sometimes we just tend to, to forget about them. <clears throat> so I think we do, we do have a challenge there in this pandemic and hopefully the post-pandemic times. And I love it. I love it. This last sentence that you put, older people are the, uh, the memory of the society. Mm. And sometimes I don't see the treatment that we give to the older people in the right way but maybe how do you think that we can help them to to in this situation that we are now to do through technology um yes certainly technology does help but i would say that's a second step or a second moment hmm? The first moment is uh, is to give them the rightful place they deserve in every family and every society. I mean, and what what I am thinking of concretely, um, because yes, I do also live with uh, with older people, and I have learned that it is important that I take time to listen to them, even though if I have already read it on the news or in the internet, what they are going to tell me. But this, this thing is not about uh, receiving information, it's about the moment of sharing and allowing them to participate in our life. But if I say, oh, don't worry, I have already read it on the internet, then I am cutting the 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 thread that can unite us so uh, yes listened um, sometimes not only they will tell you something that you have already heard but the way they say it gives you a new perspective but i sometimes do think also when i get to that age i would like to be listened to <laughs> I mean, we, we are going, we sometimes believe that we are going to be forever young. <laughs> but no, we, we are going to get to that age too, hopefully. And certainly we will like to be treated with, with kindness and respect when we get there. So I would say the first things, uh, yes, uh, allow them to speak, um, ask them, uh, uh, make the spaces to... Um, to, for them to, yes, to put in words the memories that they have within self. And that's why I say in a second moment, yes, certainly technology does help because uh, 
and I have the concrete experience that uh, now that we are all in this sort of lockdown somehow, many people have learned how to make uh, a phone call through Zoom or through Meet or through WhatsApp. And, and you can see that it is, uh, it is really helpful for them to, to see each other and to listen. And I think, yes, certainly young people can be a very uh, concrete help them uh, making possible this um, communication. But as I say, the very first step is, uh, yes, let us put it this way. The first thing you can do is to connect yourself to, to your older people, be these your parents or grandparents or uncles or aunties. Or neighbors and in a second step then help them to connect to others but you have to connect with them first <laughs> I love it I love it and and it goes again to the part of the community first connect yourself with the community that you are in and after uh, help them to connect to the world and it's exactly. the way that we help each other I think it's constructing that bridge and not destructing the them exactly yes building building bridge through generations exactly, <laughs> exactly father oscar and let me ask you how do you describe your mindset oh <laughs> very interesting question um Yes, um, maybe I would say two convictions that I have regarding that, and maybe I can arrive to a description of my mindset of forma mentis. <laughs> First of all, I always, I do believe and think that it's important to be intellectually honest. Hmm? I think that's important. We have to be honest regarding our mindset. Hmm? Uh, and I say this because sometimes, even though in Paraguay we are not, we are still far from that, but I think Europe is more challenging in that sense. Certainly, I do respect that people have the right not to believe in the Christian God or in any God, uh, but they should also be honest about that they believe that there is no God. <laughs> As I do believe that there is God, they believe there is no God. In that sense, we are in the same level because what I believe I cannot demonstrate with uh, scientific method because religion is not the subject of the scientific method but also the ones who said there is no thing that you call God they cannot prove it in the very same way so that's why I say we have to be intellectually honest and in that sense then we can have a dialogue we can have a debate we can have a exchange of ideas but let us be honest about our mindset, the limitations of our mindset and also the possibilities. And the second conviction is 
that I do believe that Christian faith uh, has a logic. It's not something irrational. It's not something that you cannot um, talk about, you cannot explain, you cannot... Uh, it has a logic within. And if you take the time to study faith, you will see the development that has. It is a logical development. It's not something irrational from the dark ages, as, as some people say, but I... As I, as I said, if you look at the medieval cathedrals, it was not that, that dark, really. Very colorful age, at least in, in the pictures and so. Um, so we live in, with many preconcepts and, yes, prejudices against Christian faith today, which is somehow I do understand because Years ago, um, uh, Christianity, Christianity had a powerful position and maybe people did not use that power in a good way. So that now we are receiving the... <laughs> uh, so I would say first, as I said, uh, let's be intellectually honest. And the second conviction is... Um, Christian faith has uh, a logic. It is reasonable to believe in the Christian God. And in that sense, I would say that my mindset um, and yes, I, I, I always said it to myself, but I never said it in this way. <laughs> um, I do believe um, that my mindset is the fruit of certainly the origi originality of Latin America, but also a lot has to do with European culture that we have, in the case of Paraguay, we have received through Spain. And and in that sense, well, Christianity is part of this mindset. So, uh, yes, I would say my mindset or my vision of the world is the one of a Latin American Christian Catholic. <laughs> yes, um, certainly. Um, I am also conscious that I had a lot of opportunities in my life. I mean, having lived one year in the United Kingdom has certainly opened my mind and my heart. Um, the formation as a priest that I have is also really a, a privilege because it puts you in contact with so many people and cultures. Um, a few years ago, actually three years ago, I was in Nigeria. <laughs> Um, that was very interesting and, and, and then is when I realized that uh, Paraguay was not that far away from the UK but it was very far away from Nigeria because it's another culture really and very interesting very religious culture and very uh, also very old culture isn't it um, but yes certainly I would say 
yes, those components, the originality of these lands of Latin America, the culture of Europe, and the Christian Catholic faith, and certainly the formation I received from Schoenstatt is all that has been shaping my uh, mindset, yes. And, and I know when I say this with, 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 with respect, well, my birthday is on October the 12th. And when I was a kid, October the 12th was a holiday here because we were all happy because Columbus had arrived to America. But then somehow uh, people were not that happy anymore and they tried to erase Columbus from history, but you cannot do that. I mean, I say I, I would not be here if, if we didn't have all this process that we now call colonization and conquista. Uh, but it is a process that it did have his, I mean, it was not perfect, I know that, uh, but it is part of our uh, history as a humanity and we cannot erase history I mean we have to accept that and say yes uh, people from Europe came in the 16th or 15th century with their own mindset and they acted as they could act and we cannot judge them with our 21st century mindset and say uh, they, they acted so wrong well yes they did things that were not right uh, but they acted what, with their own mindset, isn't it? So in that sense, I um, yes, certainly I am Latin American, but I, I understand Latin American identity as a mixture between native and European culture. And I think in that sense, I say this with, with respect and knowing that many people maybe are not that, uh, they don't agree with me maybe. But the truth is that uh, culturally, I think we have uh, both things, uh, the native aspect of proper of these lands, but also a very strong influence um, from Europe. And I mean, I am living in Paraguay and next to my country is Brazil, which began as a Portuguese colony. So uh, history is very much uh, intertwined, isn't it? Uh, and I think we have to be, the extremes are not good. I mean, we cannot say only European things are good and we cannot say only native things are good. Uh, we need to try to find uh, a balance. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I, I do recognize that I, I do have a positive prejudice uh, regarding Europe maybe. <laughs> I do recognize that, but but as I said, it, it is part of, of our culture, actually. Um, I, I, I didn't have the opportunity to go to, I don't know, to, to the Far East. I don't know how well one reads and sees on the television or the news, but I, I don't know how, how life is. Uh, but I, as I say, I, I, I did have the opportunity to meet people from, from India, from Africa, from Europe, from North America, well, from South America also. And yes, I would say that one very nice feature of Latin America is this, yes, this mixture between native and European culture. 
and I think that it is positive. But certainly, uh, it seems that we need to, yes, to be patient and to to give each one his place, and that's a, a challenge, certainly. Uh, and it's, it's not easy, but it is possible. And, uh, and it comes with, with uh, a couple of questions now, because I think uh, also that you are so right, like you cannot erase the history that we have. If not, we tend to do the same mistakes that we did. So I think it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. something. And also we cannot erase and what becomes Latin America, what Latin America is today, it's part of the colony that the Portuguese and the Spanish did. I'm not saying that I agree or not, but it's part of it that we have to accept it and learn with it. One sentence that you were saying that I love it. What is the logical behind the Christianism? <laughs> logical, it's something like science. Um, you know, in in the Gospel of John, the very first chapter, uh, that it says, in the beginning it was uh, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, that sentence and the whole of the four Gospels are or originally written in Greek. And that very first sentence in Greek sounds as the following. En arche ho logos. The word logos, um, it means or can be translated from logos in Greek to word, verbum in Latin can be translated to uh, reason, ratio, in Latin, and also can be translated to meaning. So what the gospel is telling you that in the beginning it was the word, it was the reason, it was the meaning. In this, as I was saying, we have to be intellectually honest, I do follow Ratzinger's line of thought that he says the encounter between the faith coming from the Old Testament with uh, Greek philosophy was important in the development of the religious history of Israel and Christianity afterwards. Therefore, in Christianity happens something that uh, you don't see that much in other faith. I mean, at least I don't have a profound knowledge of Israel's faith and its development. I don't have a profound knowledge of the Islamic faith. But certainly in Christianity, you have the encounter between the faith of Old Testament in the one God and also the capacity of thought of Greek philosophy. It is important that the Gospels were written in Greek originally. What we read is 
translations to Spanish, to Portuguese, to English, even uh, Latin is already a translation. The original is Greek. And therefore, it is important when the first line says, uh, in the beginning was the logos, meaning that if the word of God is logos, that's why we are able to receive it in our minds and hearts. I mean, there is a connection or there is, theology would say, every human being is capable of God. Kakpax Dei would be the expression in Latin. Why are we able of God? Because there is something within ourselves that it is like a space in which that can land to say so in a way. Um, therefore, my conviction from faith and from philosophy is that uh, human, human logic is a reflection of this logos, which is Christ, the word made flesh. That's why I say Christianity cannot be irrational. I mean, certainly are things that you cannot um, explain completely, but that doesn't mean that it's against reason, it's over the reason, which is a different thing. For instance, the very mystery of the Holy Trinity, even though we are not able to totally explain it, the fact is that it has some logic to believe in it. It's not It is not out of mind to believe in a God that is one substance, but at the same time three persons. And that's what I mean. What, that's what I mean when I say it has a logic. You have to, um, yes, certainly you have to study. You have to immerse yourself in the sacred scriptures, but you will see that there are developments that you say, yes, this come from this. And that's also what I say, it has a logic. I mean, if you say, let us put this, uh, the fact of the Eucharist. You can look at the Eucharist, not from a point of view of faith, let us say from a point of view of someone who is interested in history of religions. You are trying to study the religious phenomenon that these Christian people say that they eat uh, the body of their God and drink the blood from their God. Very interesting, one can say. And, but if you look first, the history of Israel, or what it meant, uh, the Easter, and then what Jesus did in what we know now as the Last Supper, you will see a logic development and you will see, yes, it is logic that this Thing that started apparently in the first century, uh, people say today in English, common era, because they don't say, <laughs> uh, they don't use the, the Christ anymore, they say common era. What, uh, what started there has gone to the 2021st. You can say, yes, there is a logic development in this. Even though if you don't uh, make the act of faith of say, yes, I do believe that uh, Jesus is the Christ and these people actually are 
uh, no nurturing the cell from the body and blood, but you can see that there is a logic, there is a development, and I think that that's one to say so is one reason to give Christianity an opportunity. <laughs> Um, because, and because, uh, as I say, and, and I want to be very clear about this, um, uh, what I'm going to say is not meant to all the religions, but within the sphere or the territory of Christianity itself, you can see that there are Christian people who are not logic or not reasonable. What I mean by this, people that take the scripture the, uh, in a literally way, they don't know how to interpret the text. And there is a lack of logic there. There is a lack of reason. Yeah? You cannot, uh, you, you have to know that we have a distance from the sacred text. Not only a time distance, but also a cultural distance. And you need the formation. You need to understand uh, Semitic culture. You need to understand uh, Jewish faith. And you need to understand the situation in what we call now the Holy Land in the first century to understand what the writer was telling you when he was writing the gospel. So you cannot just uh, take um, word by word and apply literally to a situation. That's a lack of logic. That's a lack of reason. And when that happens, we open the door to fundamentalism. And we have to be very careful with that. So, uh, as I say, uh, I do believe that Christianity is reasonable. It has a logic because, as I said, in the beginning was the Logos. In the beginning was the Word. And if we are able to receive that Word, it's because within ourselves, we have this point of connection. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able even to speak about the idea of a God or the idea of a God that sends his word to the men. <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm com I think it's, it's such a, a big message, but it's so true. It's, it's the way that something that it was right 2000 years, uh, 2000 years ago, it's, you have to take the message and like you, like you said it, put the logical and put it in the, in the present moment that you are living and if not like you were saying before it can take you to the extremism and Certainly. that is not good not in religion not in politics well sadly we do have um, examples of extremism which is uh, very sad isn't it and it's very sad that um, that because of that, some people mistrust religion altogether, any type of religion, be this Christian religion, be this Jewish religion or Islamic religion. Um, and I think that that's sad, but also it's, it's in, yes, it is impoverishing the culture. I mean, a few days ago, I, was, I had the opportunity to preach in in a very important shrine here in Paraguay, I was saying that uh, if you try to take away faith and religion from social dialogue and social debate, you make the culture more 
small pool. It's not an improvement, but it's uh, something that you take away. And above all, if you take away faith and religion from social life, you are missing the strength of so many people who genuinely are trying to do good, inspired by their own religion. I mean, the wisdom of leaders should be to take the best of each group and put it together for the common good. No, at least I think so. <laughs> You are so right. Again, going to the service, that it's part of our mission that that gives meaning to our life. That I, I will totally agree with you. Uh, I wanted to know, what is your definition of success? Success? Wow. <laughs> well, I, I actually, maybe because I belong to... Yes, to a religious community, I mean, and, and I live in a religious life. I usually don't talk about success, but about um, fruitfulness. Mm, uh, because uh, maybe they, they can be the same, but I, I, I usually prefer fruitfulness to success because Sometimes we associate success with um, sacrificing human values in order to have uh, economic or social gain. Um, and I think it's not a sacrifice worth doing, to be honest. <laughs> But fruitfulness has to do, again, with this uh, capacity to endure long processes that will in time give uh, fruit and, and meaning and joy to your life and the life of those around you. In that sense, I would prefer to talk about maybe, maybe I am again playing with English, but uh, yes, fullness of life rather than success. I would say fullness of life. And that fullness of life comes, and I think there are moments in which almost you can touch it with your hand, uh, that fullness of life comes when you are what you are supposed to be <laughs> in a free way. I would say that, yes. That fullness of life comes when you are what you are supposed to be in a free way. I mean, when you, when you manage from your inside to be what you are meant to be. It, it is, it is. It's because you are so right. It's, it's knowing the meaning that you, you, you want in life, have that self-awareness hmm. and act on it. Act on it and according to it. Yes, certainly. Completely, completely. Let me ask you now, uh, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? There are maybe... I would say at least three things. <laughs> 
the first uh, I would like to yes make a positive impact in my own country and in the church in my country I, I do have that um, that wish that um, yes I have that in within me I would like from my place as a priest to make a positive impact in my country and in the church in my country. The second thing is I would like to invite as many people as possible to enter in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I make the emphasis on personal relationship. I mean to, to yes, to, to be able to, to share with him your life as, as it is, without fear and in a very authentic way. And the third thing maybe it has to do with this also is to, yes, to accompany and to help as many people to develop as, as, as human persons, to be person, I mean, um, all what it means to be a human person. Uh, that means the knowledge of yourself and the capacity to enter in relationship with others from your own uh, interior. In that sense, yes, uh, that will be three things I would like to um, to work for and hopefully to leave us a legacy when the time comes. <laughs> Already being ambassador of Paraguay, like you were saying before. <laughs> and, uh, um, because also, like, uh, I will say that uh, religion in general in the 21st century, it has a bad connotation. Um, what is the best way for us and and for you in the in in your site to change that vision that we have about religion in general and christianism in particular well i what i have found is that the possibilities of encounter do help to diffuse negative prejudices i mean i think uh, as a priest i try to yes i try to foster those moments and spaces of encounter because when people get to know you personally uh, when people get to see through the social role they expect you to to fulfill they realize that you are a human being as any other and that you have the same uh, yearnings the same worries the same hopes and i think i would say one thing is to to foster spaces of encounter of dialogue of getting to know each other um the second thing i would say has to do with um even though it's a very religious word but i think it can be applied in not only in religious 
environment, but also in society in general, is, uh, yes, in English you would say to bear witness to. I mean, people today, I think they are more um, open to, to testimony more than to uh, preaching. <laughs> um, uh, personally, I do like to teach. Uh, actually, I do enjoy making preaching. I, I try to prepare every homily. Well, that's why I, I write them and upload them in the blog. But I realize that people do are more open to, to personal testimony and are open especially when you share with them that you you did a process and that you are in a process. I mean, I, I think what people re reject is this idea of if I am a religious person, I am perfect and you are not perfect and I am better than you, which is not not the reality <laughs> and actually it's something that, that that Jesus himself did not approve in the gospel I mean I always say what was the issue with the Pharisees Pharisees people were if you read the gospel they were very uh, in a way they're very good people because they fulfill all the requirements of the the law the ancient law the law from Mo Moses but they thought of themselves as better than the others. <laughs> and not only that, they thought that as they fulfill all these requirements, uh, God was in debt with them. <laughs> so they transformed religion in some sort of um, commerce with God. If I do this, you have to give me this blessing or this thing. Um, and I think that's a very uh, actual situation. I mean, we, we can also be like that. And we have to be very careful not to believe that we are uh, better than others or that God has to answer every prayer that we do. But we have to learn to be more humble, I would say. Um, uh, and I, I really think that... that when we allow people to see that we are also in the path, uh, that brings down the hostility and the mistrust. Um, but again, uh, we need time. I mean, that, 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 I mean, encounter means time. Dialogue means time. Means that I have to ask again a question because I did not understand very well what you said or what you are trying to convey with this word or with this expression uh, so but I would say yes encounter and humbleness can help us to to maybe yes change the perception that many people have regarding religion and especially regarding Catholic Christianism uh, and again, yes, we have to be very humble and to understand that, and I think this is true in Europe, but in South America, that uh, a few years ago, or maybe a few decades or centuries ago, the Catholic Church was in a position of privilege and power, and maybe that was not that good, really, because 
that power was not used in a good way. So we have to be very humble and to say, yes, we, we as an institution, we did that mistake and we really not only sorry, um, but we are trying to do things differently. And I think, I, I think again, that there are so many people, lay people, priests, religious, that do service with their life, that that's the best witness we can, we can offer today. <clears throat> I love it. And the, the idea of the humbleness that, you were talking about I love the idea behind and not seeing uh, first seeing as as uh, the Catholic religion as the institution at some mistakes like we all have and we are trying to improve that I love that have that self-awareness mm. that it's something so great and also uh, um, how can I say uh, being in a, a position of just and again going uh, accepting that you you made a mistake and we are we learn from that we we learn and we we grow from that point mm. yes because uh, i think also that uh, <laughs> um i don't have here um, a gospel in English, but there is an expression of Jesus that I like very much, and I find it is very, uh, very witty, and it has a lot of wisdom. He says in one of the gospel, talking to his disciples, you have to be simple or humble as a dove, as a little bird, but also you have to be uh, clever as a snake <laughs> uh, because sometimes uh, i do not agree when people try to use as an argument say no but you the church did so many wrong things in the past so you cannot speak now i mean if, if that's an argument nobody can speak then <laughs> so yes we did uh, we did things in a wrong way we we, we acted with the mindset of that century and today we realize it's not good uh, but really we we are trying to to help and to do good uh, in the spaces that we um, are available uh, and therefore we do want to participate in the in the social dialogue and in the social life i mean that's why why I I insist in in this intellectual honesty. Um, yes, we we did a mistake, but we are learning, and we really are trying to uh, leave uh, things behind and to take a new approach and a, a, even a more evangelical approach to how we handle things as an institution. And, and that's the other thing about the Catholic Church, which is very challenging. I mean, when you when you speak about the church, you have yes, the, to say so, the big institution, the Pope, the bishops, the priests, but you also have a lot of uh, people, baptized people, who uh, who live the um, 
that they live faith in a very simple and authentic way. I mean, you have the institution, but you have also the personal um, relationship with Jesus. And, and I think that's also um, very challenging when, when you speak about the church, because yes, we, we usually see the big institution, we see the Pope, we see the bishops, we see the priests, but we don't see millions of uh, believers that, that do try to live their life uh, according to the gospel of Jesus and try to put in practice uh, the command that love thy neighbor as thyself. It's true. It, it was so true. Let's go a little bit now to the blog. Why did you start the blog, first of all? <laughs> it is funny because I started it when I was, uh, yes, a seminarian in the university. And one of my fellow uh, seminarians said to me, you like to write, why don't you just write and uh, upload these things? And I thought, oh, it's a good idea. And it started as, a, yes, it started as, as something for me, really. So I like to write, I like to think about, and it helps. But then as a priest, I realized that it's also material available for people who want to read a little bit more, to think, or even I, I receive comments that people gather in groups and read them and work uh, through the text I, I prepare. So it, it began as a something for me, but now is more than more of a service to to other and and it is a challenge because um, I do realize too that uh, generally uh, people tend to read less. Uh, we are in the time of you know of pictures of videos, uh, but even though I think it is important to to keep writing and keep reading because again it allows us to to search for for these times of healthy solitude. I mean, to read, you have to concentrate yourself. And, and when you read, it happens something that um, the words and expressions can touch you and they ask of you some kind of answer. And in that sense, reading is more interactive than looking a video or a, a picture because, well, something happens certainly but it is also fast that sometimes you don't you don't have the time to answer right away and even though when you it happens when you see a good movie sometimes people do sit down and think about it and try to write something i mean to write thing is somehow to yes to put your mind uh, in written which is uh, again important because it puts your inner life in in written I, i'm i'm also a big reader first of all and i will totally agree with you it helps mm -hmm. you to to develop the focus and concentration in another in another areas in your life uh and writing do you have a plan of we will say to write a book will be a new project <laughs> 
Well, it is uh, it is a wish. A uh, wish. I wish it is. Um, yes, I wish because actually uh, I tried to write uh, every Sunday uh, the homily. So my project is at one point to collect them and to present them as a as a book of. Well, yes, the homilies, but actually I think them as um, yes, as um, a way to connect spirituality with daily life. I will be very happy if I can help people to do that, to, to help them to connect their Christian faith, their Christian spirituality with their daily life. That will be awesome. <laughs> I love it. And, and I love the idea of the connection with the daily life and going mm. in daily. Do you have any daily habits uh, that morning routines, night routines? Well, yes, uh, I do, especially morning routines as I live in a community. We does help me a lot. We are four priests in the house where I live. And we usually start uh, together with a morning prayer and we set aside one hour to, to pray uh, together, but in a very uh, personal way. So we usually start uh, 7.30 in the morning and until 8.30 we have this prayer. And after that we have time to, <clears throat> to take breakfast, which is a moment also of sharing as a community and then each one has his own uh, different activities certainly today we have less activity because of the pandemic but what was a presential activity has turned now into online activity or these kind of things um, the morning is the one in which we have more of a established uh, routine and then uh, part of my personal routine is I, I try to do exercise every day because it, it helps me a lot and I do enjoy it. Um, actually, it was uh, somehow a discovery of a few years ago. To, and that has helped me to understand also spiritual life because uh, they have the, the same principles, you know, um, the physical exercises and the spiritual exercises, they, they have the same <laughs> principles. <laughs> um, and maybe evening can be more uh, changeable because sometimes I do have meetings with a group of young people or a group of married couples today all through internet. But yes, at the beginning of evening, we, we celebrate together the Mass. So somehow our daily routine is marked by these two moments, morning prayer and mass in the afternoon or beginning of the evening. And in between, we do our own activities, be these uh, personal activities or pastoral activities. And what, what is the connection between the exercise and the spirituality? I'm so interested. Well, to be honest, um, exercise has taught me discipline. I mean, because uh, to do 
any sport or to do some physical exercise, it means you have to be a disciplined person. I mean, you have to go every day and you have to, yes, to learn the, the technique of the exercises. And I have experienced that uh, once you enter in the rhythm, it, it, yes, it becomes in a way easier to do exercise. And I would say the same with prayer. Once you enter in a rhythm of prayer, it becomes more natural to you to enter in prayer. Uh, but at the same time as the exercise, this is the thing, when you stop doing some exercise, um, let's say you stop doing physical exercises for one month, after that one month, you will struggle to go back to your previous state. And the same happens with the spiritual life. If you don't do it every day and you, for some reason, cut altogether prayer, one month later you will struggle and you will have to make an effort to, to go back to this rhythm of prayer. Because we have sometimes the false idea that if you do not do anything, you will remain the same. But the truth is, if you don't do anything, you will go down. <laughs> it's not that you stay the same. You either go up or you go down, but you never stay quite the same. And that's true of spiritual life and also from exercise. Uh, so yes, that, that, that was a very interesting uh, connection and and the other connection that I, I I just realized is that as we strive to give time to our physical exercises we also have to give time to our spiritual exercises and the truth is that we give time to the things that we find important <laughs> if you want to measure really what's important for you see to what things you are giving your time because time is the one thing that you don't get back <laughs> so right and let me ask it comes as, you are so right and and i think with exercise it's more tangible we can see it better because it's like you were saying if you spend one month without doing exercise you don't stay the same you are you are going to get fat for sure. yes <laughs> Or at least you are going to lose your your mm. gains, as people say. <laughs> but yeah, I never I never had think about that in a spiritual way that you have to exercise your mind, and it's so true. Yes, you have to exercise your mind as you exercise your body. You have. To... Yes, and and it, it it is funny, but we 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 don't exercise our mind. We don't exercise our soul. We think that they will just grow, like spontaneously. <laughs> I know you need to to put in it some effort too. Yes. And you were talking as, and I totally agree with you about uh, uh, time, uh, the importance of time. Uh, how do you manage your time? Well, uh, as I said before, I, I really have the privilege of a formation as a priest, and I realize now. <laughs> that uh, 
we have been taught how to manage our time because the thing is, if you work, for example, as a, I don't know, as a manager or employee of a bank, you have a time for your work from seven in the morning to seven in the evening. This is your working time. And from one o'clock to two o'clock, you have time for lunch. And then you do what you have to do because you have a time set by a structure. And then you go to your home and rest, be with your family or do what you like to do. But when you are a priest, <laughs> you don't have this set of time. I mean, you have to manage your time. I mean, that's quite challenging because, uh, I mean, and to be very honest, the, the decision is, do I give my time to prayer or do I give my time just to be relaxed or do I give my time to one person who wants to talk to me over the phone? And that I know what she's going to say and, you know. Um, so actually, in a way, I've been, yes, I've been taught how to manage my time, but also, uh, in my case, which is not the case of every priest, but the community does help me, but because we have uh, we have set ourselves some key moments during the day, then that helps you to organize yourself to get to that key moment with the community. But certainly, it is an everyday challenge. <laughs> it is impossible to manage your free time because. Uh, now I'm seeing uh, the priest as also an entrepreneur because it's also in the same way that you have also to manage your own time, you know. Nobody way, will yes. tell you to, to no, do this no or that. No, really, no, nobody is going to tell me what to do or what not to do. I mean, you, yes. Uh, and it has to do with, you know, again, with responsibility and maturity and in the end with love i mean uh, because you love what you do you love uh, then you try to to live in accordance with that and uh, as as i understood in this conversation uh, you are also a reader you love to read can you give me some advice or of books that I should read? Me or that, or the viewers or the listeners that you like? Well, um, I would say, yes, I do have in my mind, um, to be honest, three books, <laughs> uh, of which uh, two of them are religious, <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I can give you advice on gaming too if you want uh, PC gaming. <laughs> Beautiful. No, no. no, let's just stay with, with books. Um, but I, I, I really would advise. Uh, I don't know how it's in Portugal, but I, uh, I found that uh, Pope Benedict has not uh, very good press. <laughs> but um, you know, for me, it was a and it changed, almost I would say it changed, well, maybe that would be too much, but 
it allowed me to put into words my experience, that important experience I had when I was a young uh, man and having this uh, confession that was so important for me. When I read the first uh, encyclical letter of Pope Benedict, Deus Caritas Es, which translates to God is love. And it was just amazing to, to start to read this book and, um, and feeling, yes, this man is putting into words what I have experienced. And I love uh, a sentence that is at the very beginning of this encyclical letter that you can find in Google or you can buy in any Catholic bookshop. Deus Carita says, he says that you do not start to being a Christian because of a great idea or because of an ethical decision, but you start to being a Christian when you have an encounter with one person that opens your horizon and gives it uh, a new direction. And that's what I experienced. I, even though I was a baptized Christian, but I started to feel myself as a, somehow as a Christian because of my own decision when I have this encounter, this experience. Um, so I would advise the first in my list is this encyclical letter, which is really very, very readable. Deus Caritas Est. Um, the second book is also from <laughs> Ratzinger and is called Introduction to Christianity, which is really, um, yes, uh, are the, the, yes, the classes he did as a professor in university. And then he gathered all those classes and published in this book which is really today a classic from theology. And it gives you, uh, yes, it gives you an insight in, in what I was saying about there is logic within Christian faith. I mean, it is possible to, to, to understand Christian faith from a logic point of view, and it's reasonable to make this act of faith in Jesus Christ. Um, yes, and a third book would be uh, the one I just mentioned, The Name of the Rose, which is just amazing. Uh, it was a huge discovery also for me because, well, as I said before, I enjoy history and, uh, and I do like the medieval period. And it's all this um, situation of uh, how to think the world from faith and also from human reason. Um, so mm. I would say those, yes, I will highly recommend any of those three books. Um, and also I do, just to mention, I do enjoy uh, biographies. Uh, because it does, it does give you a perspective uh, on people's life and people's times. So, yes, certainly, I would recommend those also.
I will have a look, and after I will put in the description of the of the video that and and I also love biographies because it's man, it's a way that we learn about somebody, and maybe we will learn also from the mistakes that we don't have to to do. Certainly, certainly. Uh, let me ask you now: uh, What is your advice to make the world a better place? <clears throat> I would say because sometimes uh, the phrase is very nice. I, I do understand what is behind that now. But you have to try to be very concrete with your world. I would say make your family a better place. May your community a better place. May your workplace a better place i mean because it is true that big things start with the small steps so uh, wherever you are just try to do the best of that situation um, and you will be helping in a very concrete way to make the world a better place because we don't have to forget that there are lots of other people trying to make the world a better place. We are not alone in this to say so. So I would say try to be as concrete as possible in your world, your family, your workplace, your environment. And secondly, um, do the best that you can do, even though it is not perfect but do the good that you can do at this moment. I would say with those two things, I think we are joining many others that are making or trying to make some good in our world, in our humanity. <clears throat> Love it. And, and yes, it's, it's, I will change the word, make your world a better place <laughs> and conquer uh, the little steps for after going to, 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 to the large and the bigger picture. I love it. Certainly, uh, yeah. Love it. Father Oscar, to end up after two hours and a half <laughs> that I love it and it was a great conversation. Uh, any last advice or thoughts that you want to share with me or the viewers or listeners? Well, First of all, and I'm, I'm really honest about this, uh, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity and for, for waiting because when I received your message, I thought, why, why, why he's interested in, in having a conversation with me? And I started to look at the, at the profile and said, um, but uh, first, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to to share with you, to have this dialogue. Um, and secondly, maybe simply, um, yes, be open and try to build bridges of encounter, spaces of encounter and dialogue. Um, and that will allow us to will allow us uh, to get maybe to places in which uh, 
in which a word or an experience we had is needed because uh, sometimes and, and I, I think this is one of the lessons from this pandemic also sometimes uh, by simply sharing our experiences sharing our struggles sharing our hopes we can inspire others and we can and maybe help others to start processes in their own life. So, as I say, I'm very grateful, really, for this opportunity. Um, maybe the advice is to keep finding ways to, to create spaces of dialogue and encounter, to share, and in that way, inspire others and allow ourselves to be inspired also by others. I would say that certainly. Exactly. And, and it's exactly that point that I, I'm doing with, with this podcast. Part of it is that it's trying to see the different views of different people in this world. And thank you so much. I want to thank you for the opportunity. And it was worth it to wait <laughs> the time that I waited it was a really really great pleasure and man it was a great pleasure to have you here in the show and after two hours I, I think that I learned a little bit more <laughs> good 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 well and hopefully maybe we'll get to see someday each other the, the world is not that big now <laughs> The next time that you will come to Germany, please. If Certainly. you come to Berlin, you are more than welcome. And it will be a pleasure to, 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 to be with you, uh, Father, uh, Father Oscar. Certainly, that will be nice. Thank you so uh, much for... Please. No, simply all the best. And hope you, you had a nice time the next uh, few days, which, which usually are times to... Uh, to reflect on the meaning of one's life and to remember also the loved ones, isn't it? So I wish you all the best and, and yes, many blessings. Thank you so much. Guys, have a great day and a great life and a blessing, blessing day to everyone. Thank you Certainly. so much. Take care. Thank you.